Super Bowl 53 will go down in the annals of history as one of the greatest games ever played. A total combined score of 16 points. Many times you'd look at the people at your house and go, what the hell are we watching? All right. I, I'm just going to be honest. I can't. I don't want to try it like... I'm hoping that I'm coming in here today and that Chris Sims is going to tell me that it was actually low-key, one of the greatest Super Bowls ever, and he can't wait to watch the film. Nope, I'm not. Negative Ghost Rider. But I did enjoy it. I mean, I enjoyed that, the, you know, it, it was a chess match that every decision... This is Mr. Defensive Struggle over yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, I certainly but, wasn't 113-3, to three, but... Because you know, 17-10 I could have been happy with. I tweeted out, I was like, you couldn't pay me $100 to watch this game again. Right. And the amount of tweets that I got were, hey, appreciate the defensive struggle. Yeah. Look at all the great plays. And I go, just because not a lot of points are scored does not mean it was a defensive struggle. Right. When there's 7-3 and outs, it's also poor execution. Sure. When I'm watching Jared Goff taking sacks for no reason when he's held the ball for 12 seconds, okay, fine, maybe the coverage is good, but I'm also watching offense's inability to make plays. Right. So I, I, I felt dirty. I felt cheated. And I'm also going to say this. I don't think that was the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that Rams Saints was the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that Patriots Chiefs. I'm saying that it shouldn't count. And thus, the Philadelphia Eagles are still your world champs. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. That's not happening. But but uh, was it more and we're gonna we have something to get to, but just really quick, is it is it more defensive struggle or bad execution? No, I mean I think it's a little bit of both. I do think it's more defensive struggle though. I do. I think the defense and what Belichick did defensively was phenomenal. I think we saw two quarterbacks who were not that great. Not again before we start attacking Chris Sims. It's just these aren't the top five quarterbacks in football. They're, you know, Brady, you could argue, is edge of top 10, I would say, right and now. And I believe that Jared Goff is the Mendoza right. line in the NFL. Basically, right I believe there. that Jared Goff is, he wears 16 of the 32. He is 16. I feel like if you're better than Jared Goff, you're good. If you're worse, you're probably not. Yep. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, again, to bring it back full circle, I mean, last year, remember we had 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, all this. Oh, yeah, he's the best. He's the best. No, he was not. That's why I had him 20th last year, mm-hmm. if you remember after the season or going into the season. It wasn't a knock on him, yeah. but you can see once again when McVay doesn't dial up, oh, Todd. Gurley screens and mm. the run game doesn't work. He's not the type of talent that's going to carry a squad. That's yeah. not what he's capable of. But regardless, we do have to give a lot of credit to both defenses. Of course. Both of those defenses are phenomenally coached and have a lot of super freaks. And that is what really led to uh, one of the most boring games. In yeah, the I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about how the Patriots played a 6 by one up front they did. Uh, to, to the cover the game. edges is what we talked about. Yep. And then playing quarter-quarters in the back uh, was awesome. But you look, and, and we're going to break down the game more fully after this, but I also thought that one team hit on their seam throws from like 35 yards out and the other team missed. Robert Gromkowski caught his, and Brandon Cooks dropped his, and that was seven points, and that was really a difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great defensive play by the you know Deron Harmon who came over. That was a tough catch. If, or if also Brandon the Cooks, Jared Goff throwing it late. The one to, down the middle is the one was... they should have had. I mean, Jared Goff threw a duck. He threw an Aflac, and if he threw a, a rocket or a rifle, that would have been a touchdown, and then we would have been into a different type of game. 
I feel like we got some tweets about people saying who would have who threw that ball better, Goff or Lefko. I feel like <laughs> there my, were some of those. I feel like look, if I could throw it forty nine, I could have thrown that one on a dime. You also saw your dad Stuff. threw an underhand ball on the pregame hey, show, and that uh, thing yeah. was a you, piss missile. You've heard it. Yep, Big Phil can do that, man. He I, could legitimately throw it forty or forty five I mean, yards. It was arm. whistling. Yeah. I was hanging out with Travis Kelsey, who was on the set when that happened. Right. And Kelsey goes, dude, it was so cold. And that was a brand new ball out of the box. Yeah. He's like, as soon as he released that, I was like, I really hope he doesn't take somebody's head off. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Because that ball out of the box is going to be a rock. Right. Give me slick, too. Um, I want to give the most sincere thank you um, to a lot of the people at this company that helped us do what we did at Dan Tennis. Uh, everyone involved in the show from Todd and Matt and Kevin. Aaron and Nicole and Sean and the editor Julian who's been working with us with the show the entire time who really I thought with the Odell thing that we did and a He's bunch a of that stuff was awesome uh, everyone that went down there and helped out all the people at Turner they're helping out Josh you were a huge part of it Thank you. and going down there and finding the area and and setting it all up and run and show you were amazing way to go Joshy Thank uh, you. I want to give a super sincere shout out to Paris uh, who booked us so many of the guests that right. we got on the show and I think part of the reason it was so different, and when I say show, I mean podcast and show, because we didn't have really any plugs. The only plugs was J.J. Watt, and he said the F word, or he right. said the S word. Right. So it was great. So we didn't have to, you know, I, I didn't go to radio. I went to radio one time to see you in the beginning. Right. Because it was so nice to not be there. Yeah. And then the other part of the thank you goes to all the people that showed up. Like, we had fans that showed up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and... Man, that's the reason we do what we do. Yeah. Because it was so cool to have you there. It was so cool for you to see how we interact with people, to just talk to you guys, to answer your questions. It was it was really, really special. Harris's uncle is Robert Griffith. I mean, that's he was a big time safety in the end of the nineties for the Vikings. I got to meet him. That was like a shocking that's revelation. His, that's your uncle? Made. Yeah. He was I mean, phenomenal. That was really cool. Yeah. I, I did not know it. He was there with us. That's but, who you said hi to when we were walking out. Yes, yeah. exactly right. I mean, because I thought I heard right the first time, but I didn't. Yeah. I want to be rude when he introduced himself. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Who said that again? That's so funny. And then I violently, I don't know why, later I was like, wait. So Paris, uh, Paris was a baller, but I didn't baller. realize her uncle was a baller too. Yeah, like Vic and Deshaun and yep. like everybody we got was so cool. Kirk yep. Cousins at one time was yeah. standing outside just watching apparently. No one said a word to him. We Which- did. We did, yeah, because we knew who he was, but he was just chilling. Yeah. He really is like if Josh was a few inches uh, taller and We jacked. were dressed exactly the same oh, that day, yeah, too. Yeah, I was totally. wearing a plaid button-down shirt. He was wearing the same yes. thing. It was perfect. He That's definitely made a, Google, he made a Google document for his weekend trip there. Uh, I always look at guys like Kirk Cousins and go, like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? You made like $34 million this year. Is this like, you really, is it worth the $100,000 he probably made this From weekend? hearing Kirk Cousins talk in yeah. his mind, yes. Oh, no, it sounds like he will literally pick up every cent on the sidewalk if he has to. Like, he drives a conversion he van all still. into his number in his bank account, apparently. That's all he cares about is what the number is because yeah. he doesn't spend it. He just wants to see to a see number, it go up. I am which very, I don't understand either. Well, I'm very curious about how Kirk is going to live his life after football. Right. Is he planning on investing that, or do you think he's going to sit there and go, nobody touches my money? I feel like he's like the, some of my <laughs> Wall Street friends who just want to die with a big number, and I want to be like, what's the <laughs> point of making all of it if you never do anything fun with it? Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, all right, so we have uh, to do something that sucks, and I, if I lose my shit, uh, I lose my shit. You're a meme already. It's all that's, right. That's what's happening. Um, so 
what we had was a very special week for Sims and Lefko, but I also have to tell you guys that is the final week of Sims and Lefko. And um, the the show that in which it currently exists is not going to be that way anymore. Uh, Sims, um, we all know how great he is and how hard he works and how special he is. And Take a deep breath. It's okay. I'm We're so good. We're, it's all right. Um, We're in the trust tree together. But you've been offered an incredible opportunity. Yeah. We are so excited for you, and we want you to share that. Well, yes. Uh, this this will be my last week working at Bleacher Report, uh, and I say that with a very heavy heart, heavy heart of course. Um, it's bittersweet. Um, I'm going to announce where I'm going on Wednesday. Uh, that'll come later this week. But, uh, yes, I was offered a great opportunity and it's a shame because I never envisioned it happening this way. Mm. This is a special place. Bleacher Report, uh, all the fine people that work here and have worked here have helped mold me and make me uh, into what I am in my career right now, which is a guy that watches football and has a big mouth. But yes. they gave me the jump start there. And Lefko, you, uh, of course, were a huge part in that. And harvesting some of those thoughts out of my brain and making me talk and act upon them when you read notes of mine or had conversations. And Josh, of course, starting the podcast in general, This none of this happens without you too. Uh, so not only am I thankful for working here at Bleacher Report, it's so sad to say to our fans and what we yes. built. And everybody in this office at Bleacher Report is amazing. But more importantly... You two are amazing, and I hope you know that. Yeah. Like, special, special people, special work, uh, co-workers, I should say. And um, other than Lefko being a little late, like on days today, where he wanted to eat breakfast instead of getting here on time. I was really trying to avoid this whole thing. Like if, <laughs> if I went to a therapist later, I would go, I was not late because I was, no, I, I just didn't want to come to work today, to okay, be honest. Right. I didn't want to hear this but, shit. But either way, it is, um, it is, uh, it was a great privilege and opportunity yeah. to work with you guys and work at this company that's Bleacher Report which has made waves and really molded me like I said and um it is it's a sad time but also a happy time and um life goes on nothing nothing lasts forever and yeah we're going to be broken apart but I never give up hope that the band gets back together I want to say this to to everyone that's listening who I'm sure is shocked um, this podcast is not going to end because what we've created, I believe, is the best community of football fans that exist. You guys are smart. You guys understand it. You're not too emotional, but you also embrace your fanhood. We enjoy having fun. And I think that in Sims's honor, we're going to keep this thing rolling. The way that I've always seen it is 33, 33, 33%. You know what I mean? And with Sims gone, I, I want to bring the homies into the fold. I, I want you guys to have the percentages because you guys have always been the reason that this thing exists. So we are going to be doing two more podcasts this week. One more where the big fucker is going to come in here and we're going to have a good time and talk about the game more in detail and, and just shoot it up. And then we want you guys to get your last stuff in. So Thursday we're going to record a mailbag that's going to come out Friday and we'll go for, you know, hour, hour and a half like we normally do, just answering questions and all that stuff. 
stuff. Um, and then starting next week, I'm still going to be doing the podcast. But I, I, it would be an insult for me to try and do it exactly the way it's done because that's how good at, at Sims is at what he does. So I'm doing two things. One, um, I've kind of created a nice little Rolodex of athletes that I like to talk to. Cool. And we're going to keep going with that. Two, I think it's it's my duty to keep everybody informed on what's going on in the NFL, sure, and kind of keep that going and and find a new way to make this creative. But the homies have a job, and the job is to talk to me. And what I mean by that is keep getting in the DMs, keep getting in the YouTube comments. More than ever before, I am going to dedicate a lot of the show to you guys. Everything that I've ever done well in my life is by listening to people. When I blew up in Louisville and got the job in Bleacher Report, it's because I was interacting with people online. When Sims and Lefko, I think, really took off is when me and Josh truly started listening to the DMs and the YouTube comments and just interacting with you guys. So really... I'm giving you guys a lot of power right now because unless it's Sims or Fendrick, that's really the only people I want to give it to are the homies. That's just the truth. I hear you. So if you would like to come on at another time, sure, we're going to do that. I don't think that's crazy. No. Um, I hope all the homies, all the homies out there, um, please continue to listen to Lefko. Lefko is as good as it gets in the business. He loves football. He has a true passion about it. He's... um, has a good feel for it organically anyways, let alone I'd like to think I taught him a few things to yes. look for uh, that are important in any game. And I hope some of the homies come over and listen to me. I can't announce where I'm going in. I yes. have the powers to be or making, oh, no, making me wait. But um, it doesn't mean that you have to pick me or Lefko. No. We're still homies. Oh, if you and- don't think I'm going to be listening to Sims and stealing his ideas even when he's somewhere else, you're <laughs> absolutely crazy. My number one promise, though, yeah. I will never pretend like I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. This isn't going to become Stephen A. Smith, where I got, get up here and go on like twenty minute it's rants. It's preposterous. Yeah, it's like I, like I'm not gonna all of a sudden be like, like this entire podcast has been me asking you and like diving into your brain. I'm not all of a sudden gonna go. I was a cover two show with no. That's well, not. That's I, uh, not yeah, happen. that's all right. But you know, Lefko, within you doing that. A lot of the times, you were able to formulate my X's and O's right. weeds in the weeds stuff, yes, and make very good common sense out of it at times, where I could get lost in the weeds, and that's why you became the betting guy, and that's why you beat me most years uh, in betting. <laughs> wow! wow. <laughs> uh, it is. You see, I waited so long to say this. It really is incredible <laughs> that I, in the last game <laughs> it, it, that we could possibly go. You know what, though? I'm glad you got something on the way out. <laughs> Thank That's you. my gift Thank to you. Thank you for that gift on my way out. So we finished 3-1, to one, but the Patriots, it it was – yeah, let's get back to the game. So we'll get to the <laughs> – hold on, wait. Is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, I'm going to try uh, – no, because then I'll just start crying hysterically. So I don't yes. want to do that. Thank you to, to both of you. Yes. It's been an incredible couple years. Watching you over the last couple years blow up Seriously. has been absurd. Thanks. And you as well, Lefko, and the two of you together. Um, yeah, bittersweet. But I don't want to start crying, so let's talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Um, where did you watch? At my house. Okay. Yep. Joe's Little Stone wh- Crab on the menu. No, didn't happen. Didn't happen. The wife. Salt Lick? Uh, nope. We didn't do that either. I know. I don't know. That's what I thought she was He said he do. was importing Salt Lick from well, that's Austin I heard that. Week. that was the game plan. Uh, but no, Charlotte horseback riding, Philip basketball game. I would say I got on the couch about 4.45, 5 okay. o'clock, sitting on the cloud. Yeah. And... Uh, Started out with some, you know, celery, 
uh, carrots, dip. Chips, queso, salsa, all that. Went to chicken wings. Just the to, immediate fam? Just just us four. Nice. Us four together. Nice. And uh, it was great. It really was. I mean, Danielle and my little girl sat there the whole game. Philip did too. Other than halftime, he went up to like get a game of Madden in real quick at halftime. Hey, yeah. I wish I had a game of Madden instead of Maroon 5. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, I, I Did you hate? Did you? I didn't. I thought it was okay. I don't really exactly. like Maroon 5. No, but that it was okay. But I found it entertaining. I don't know. I guess my thing. Well, hold on. How did you watch the game? Well, uh, we'll get back to halftime right after yeah, this. Yeah. I, I just want to know. I had my friends over my apartment. Nice. So I had about fifteen people over. Right. Drinks. Pigs in a blanket. Uh, did not make pigs in a blanket. Every what? time I've been to Josh's, pigs in a blanket. I had them, but we had so much food, I didn't make them. But you know what I did get? Wait. I was on the VIP list at Dan and John's, so I pre-ordered my wings like four weeks ago. Shout out to Dan and John's. So I walked in. Where and we had our Odell Rogers draft, Josh's favorite wing place in the city. I walked in to pick up my wings, and Dan is sitting there, and I say, you know, Josh Fendrick here to pick up my 100 wings, <gasps> 50 hot. Uh, so 33 hot, 33 spicy barbecue, 33 medium. So you Yummy. do the wings like I do the podcast. It's perfect. Yeah, and he goes, hey, aren't you, uh, you're the guy from uh, from the podcast, right? And I go, that's me. I appreciate it, because Dan and John's, they comment on our Instagram. So really? we have a little social media relationship going on right. yeah but yeah he knows what's up wait what were the three flavors uh hot spicy barbecue and medium that's the way to go yeah. if we were if there we were the three flavors which one would be hot which one would be spicy barbecue which one would be medium definitely medium over here this yes. guy this guy started sweating eating mild wings from dantana's last i don't week. think they were mild like, and, then, to watch. and then the next day went i'd like another order yeah. i'm like you're i'm obviously hot and you're spicy barbecue i think Thanks, that's pretty bro. obvious <laughs> i love that I I had no idea what to do for the game yesterday. Right. Because I had a credential, but I refused to sit in the media room to watch a Super Bowl. Right. Like, oh, you get in the stadium, that's really, really cool. But, like, this is just me. I have no interest in sitting in a room in silence with other people in the media, yeah. all, like, trying to impress each other. Right. And I'm not saying this like I'm holier than thou. It's just I either I'm it's either my team and I want to have a ticket or I want to be in a comfortable place. Yeah. So I went I to that. I went to this like Ric Flair event and I got to see Rick uh, and I've I've met him a few times so it he was he's the man dude. Yeah. Ric Flair is a legend. He seems like it. After that uh, your your boy Rosner uh, kind of hooked me up with this like tailgate thing. And then my friend Dan Newmark, who's a big-time Rams fan, I, I got him and his mom and his friend in there, and he actually created the show with Travis Kelsey, the Catching Kelsey. Right. So he's like, yo, Kelsey's hitting me up right now, and I just told him I'm with you and he wants to come. So Travis came over, ambushed by fans. Yeah, I bet. Like, he is he he's is, a star. He, but he's got a recognizable face, yep. and he's like 6'6". Six, six. And he's cool. And this is a little bit of a humble brag, but I went to Kelsey's house with my girlfriend, and he had a bunch of friends over. And He's a house in Atlanta? He like had an Airbnb. Oh, Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. So I played a little beer pong. Yeah. Won five games in a row. Who'd you Whoa, play with? I am. Some other guy that was there. Wow, you're cheating on me. Cheating I on did. I did. Cheating on Johnny Google but it was, document. It was cool because, you know, when Gronk does stuff, Kelsey can is like immediately like, oh, do you see what he did there? And it's yeah. like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Right. But... Um, I I had a hard time enjoying the game. Like I, I said but that. What on about Twitter. halftime? You really... Oh, my bad. Sorry. So halftime, <laughs> I got excited for halftime. Yeah. 
I got more excited when the Travis Scott uh, SpongeBob meteor sure. thing came down. That was cool. And then when it hit, I was like, this is going to be great. But I didn't even think Travis Scott was that good. It was very quick. I just feel like the Super Bowl is made for television. Right. And I feel like it's usually over the top. Yeah. So Beyonce at Super Bowl 50 we were at, she had the whole line dancing. And was she- that Bruno Mars also when we were there? Yes, the second one. Yeah. Yes. Bruno has put on some really good shows. He has The thing about Bruno is he's going to have five guys up there in unison, and it's going to be good music too. Uh, Lady Gaga, her jumping off the roof last right. year and then doing all that stuff. Yep. Just Justin Timberlake, when he came out, was like coming through the crowd and all that. And the big, the big thing for Maroon Five was he took his shirt off. Yeah, like that was the big thing. Right. I I find Maroon 5's music to be like a the, repetitive. Here's the 15 seconds coming out of commercial for ESPN College Football. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've I've never purposely listened to Maroon Five. Yeah. It's just like on the radio when I'm talking about more important things. Yeah, I, I don't you. know. I, I just there was no moment that was a great moment. No, I don't think there was either. I I, I get it. Uh, but I, I I did enjoy it. I, I'm not a Maroon Five fan. I feel like most of their songs sound the same. Yes, I still thought it was a good Dinner, performance. Dinner. Big boy coming on was cool, and that was so Uh, brief. Though I was, and so was I thought they both were. But yeah, you're right; they were brief, and there was that no polarizing moment. I get that to where you were just like, "Oh wow, that was awesome," or "What a disaster that was." The big moment was really, I felt like the Travis Scott entrance. But what I don't, all right. So this is just something I thought about as I was watching this. First of all, like. Why all the pushback on Maroon Five for doing the halftime show? So because of Kaepernick, I understand that. So from the but big... why does Justin Timberlake not get it last year? Because he's just cooler? No, 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 no. So the real thing is, right. is last year's Super Bowl was in minus twenty four Minnesota, right. where there's not a lot of African American culture. Right. Atlanta is the culture, sure. and they picked some a group that is completely neutral and has no, like, yeah. it's just completely disconnected. And this was a time that a lot of people thought for them to reach out and either get an outcast or someone that's true to Atlanta, because Atlanta has a culture of music. There's no music in Minnesota. I mean, Prince was in Minnesota, yeah, right. but like he no, was like one guy like on an island. Motown, Detroit, no, but or like, anything like that. Houston, Atlanta. I'm just saying that yeah. like from someone that went to the parties last week and saw the performers, it was some of the biggest names that I've seen at a Super Bowl week right. because everybody wanted to be in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, this is a story you'll like. Saturday night, I went to a club called Compound. Yeah. Compound is like outside Atlanta. It is so Atlanta that I saw two women riding on horseback to the club. Wow. I was the only white guy in the entire club. Right. And there were thousands of people, Sims. Right. To the point where Odell was in another room and he saw me. And he double taked and he went like this. He like kind of like, what up? And he went like this. And he kind of was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and like, I was, I just said to Enum, I was like, I just hope people don't think I'm a cop. Other than that, this has been great. Yeah. But like, at, and like Meek Mill's just hanging out and Cardi B is there. They weren't doing that in Minnesota. Right. I also got to see your boy. I met Kyle Shanahan for that's the first good, time. That's good. You got to see him. And he him. got to watch Lil Wayne. Yes, right. And I'm telling you, yeah. he is a stan. Yeah. He is a super fan. Yes, he is. Like, at the end, I looked <laughs> over, and like, Jed York is there too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Jed must love this, a Millie. Jed York loves a Millie. He has had no idea what's going on. But right when he got done, I look over, and Kyle is like fist bumping. He goes, the best that ever did it. And I was like, 
Yeah, and, but I was like, I'm not going to record him. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be that guy. Right. But to see Kyle jamming to Lil Wayne. It's this guy. It was an Always all-time thing for me. Always has been. Yes. Yeah. You saw Robert Kraft dancing with Cardi B. Yeah, that got a lot of backlash, too. That video too. was all over the place. Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't oh, see yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was, it was, it was yesterday, at the wheel, right? It was at the Wheels Up party on Saturday. Gotcha. And he got up on the stage and was going nuts. Gosh. Good video. Yeah. Sounds good, but I'm at the point of my life no, where I'm, my I'm, couch on Saturday night was way better than all that. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much there. That. I'm over that. You're over the hill after that, this week? What, was there ever a time, though, where you were like, I f- still feel like I kind of want to go? I, I'm like... And did kids change that? Asking for a friend. No, it did. No, but right around your age where I felt yeah, like I started tired. to make that, where I was just like, eh... I'd rather I, be able to wake up at 8.30 tomorrow. I, I would be perfectly fine if I was going to the game on Sunday and just go to the game on Sunday. Like, okay, let's sleep in on Saturday and maybe we'll walk around the city a little. And yeah. Did you go I'm, to Super Bowls as a player and do Radio Row and oh, like pitch question. brands? I did not really. Okay. I did one year, I believe. Um, what brand were you pitching? Oh, wait, wait. So let me think. I don't know if I actually went to like Play Radio Row though and had to do it there. I don't think I actually did that. Like I went to Super Bowls and was paid to show up at a few events gotcha. and answer questions and autographs and things like that, but not like you weren't the, pitching the, old the, spice. No, I don't think I got to that caliber of a player to where they were like, "We want you for the whole day." Yep. And we're going to pay you all a shitload of money. Yep. No, I never got that. Gotcha. Those are for the special players in yep. the NFL. I got another pretty cool story. Yeah. So that Friday night, I hosted an event with Adrian Peterson and David Johnson. Right. And again, Adrian Peterson almost broke my hand. But he was wearing this jacket that had this like fur boa like built into it. Yep. And I was like, bro, where did you get this jacket? And I was wearing that maroon velour shirt. Mm-hmm. And he touched Your me. Your favorite? He goes, where did you get this shirt? And I was like, Adrian Peterson just touched me. But I asked him at one point, you'll appreciate the story, I go, what's the hardest you've ever been hit in your life? And he said, I know exactly the play. He said, we got the ball on the four-yard line and we're playing the Ravens. Right. And he's on the Vikings at the time. Right. And he hits a hole and he goes, I'm Adrian Peterson. Here's a hole. I'm on the four. I'm walking into the end zone. Right. Like he said it like that. Right. And he, start, he said I, he started to come up in his stance. And he got depleted, and his yeah. feet come off the ground, and he had no idea what just happened. And when he looks up, Ray Lewis is right over him, and he goes, do not start getting up until you cross that line. And, and Peterson goes, and from then on, I, and I stopped him, I go, you're telling me that like seven, eight years into your career, you got hit by Ray Lewis and completely changed your philosophy of goal line? Right. He goes, I never got up again because of Ray Lewis is in the back of my head all the time going, you better not get up. Yeah, right. I was like, that's an awesome story. You mean like get up, like start, like what do you- Start like rise. Yeah, like, yeah, like almost. St- yeah, start right. like kind of right. like grazing into yes. the end zone and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, they all you know, learn your lesson the hard way there. It's like Cam learned it a few years ago against the, uh, what was that, the Falcons? Oh, when he, he got pumped right in the face. He was dancing in and Deion Jones side ear hold him. Um, so when the game starts, mm-hmm. Sims has a belief that he's going to figure out who he's rooting for after about I don't know five minutes of gameplay. Right. Where Where did you find yourself rooting in this um, game? I found my. I was rooting for the Rams. I was rooting for them. I did. I stayed true to it. But I I will say this. I was never like as emotionally invested with them as I was in other teams in years past. Like, did you root for the Eagles last year? I did. I did. I did. I rooted for the Eagles last year. Um, But, yeah, I think as the game went, 
you know, I think pretty on, pretty early on, I thought, well, the Patriots are better. So I was not like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if I'm rooting for the Rams and the game continues and I go, the Rams are clearly the better team here. Hmm. They should win this, and they're messing it up. And then I'll get emotionally more like, right. come on, you fuckers. Arr. But You this, really do root for the better team. I try to, Because you believe that in history we sh- the, the, they should be remembered. That, that's right. And uh, I think as the game went on, I was at very peace with the Patriots winning the football game and continuing to move the ball. Of course, hey, I was just like everybody else, wanting a little bit more excitement in the game, but was really enjoying the pressure-packed moments of having to micromanage a game where every little thing mattered by both coaches. And, um, you know, I think that's where you start. I mean, the start of the game, New England, how they come out on that side of the ball. I was so upset the Rams deferred. Oh, I know. I was not expecting that I was that yelling. Either. I know. I was not expecting that. Uh, but I guess they thought, hey, let's get our defense and let's see if we can rattle Tom and company early. And they early. got a pick. And they did. They got a pick. Certainly Tom's first pass. They did. Wade Phillips deserves so much credit for the defensive game plan. What was it? What did you see? I think they didn't do anything crazy. Like, I didn't look at it and go, ooh, this was... But what they did was disguises and gave Brady false indicators, and Romo said this, of man and zone. So give me give me some things that you saw that were like, I like what Wade's doing. Well, I just think that at least he didn't make it where Brady was like, oh, okay, blue 45, okay, single safety, oh, it's cover three all the way here, I got it, it's cover three. But that's what I mean, when you right. were watching at home, right. what were you seeing? Like, were you seeing safeties well, drop back? I was or? seeing, and, and corners go across with wide receivers, like it was man-to-man, but then they were playing zone coverage. That's what got that's Brady what on the pick. Person, no doubt about it. That's what got him a number of times. Roby Coleman dropped back after following, yeah. He thinks okay. that, okay, it's going to be man-to-man coverage here. I shouldn't have to worry about anybody buzzing underneath because it's man-to-man. But now, so he gets the ball, which is going to be a quick throw, and as he's throwing it, he's going, oh, damn, Hmm. this is not not man-to-man. This is zone. Let me see if I can fit it in there real quick. And, of course, he gets a hand on the ball, and the ball pops in the air. Right. So it was just that, I think, more than anything. Why why isn't every defense that way every game? Yeah, I mean, it's... Does it take that much longer to game plan? It's a lot to coach. It is. It is a lot to coach. Coach, you know, you're going to have job. guys doing things that I know it's their job, but you're going to have guys doing things that they're not necessarily comfortable in either, right? Like all of a sudden, Akib Talib, who's an outside corner his whole life, all of a sudden follows Running somebody across. Now he's a nickel, yeah. and he's asked to know the zone rules within the nickel, right. and he hasn't had to do that all year long. And now it's going, now you got to know all the zone rules for the run game, the pass yeah. game, the quick passes, whatever it may be. That's why. It and, takes you know, a special effort. Coaches are conservative like that, too. Right. They don't want to ask players to do things that are outside their norm because they will kill themselves when the game is over, when they ask a player to do something he's not comfortable with or hasn't done a lot, and then he messes up in a big moment, and they're going to go, damn, why did I ask him to do that? That was stupid of me. He didn't do that all year. So you've got to have a mature unit and, of course, the two weeks of preparation yeah. and things like that that help out. So you said uh, Wade did a great job. Yes. Um how much do we give to Belichick? How much do we give to Flores for the defensive game plan? And what did you see as the defensive well, game plan? Well, yeah, I think Flores... Because um, he's your new coach of the Dolphins. Yeah, he, Beef Lowe deserves a lot of credit. I mean, from everything I know and how things work in New England is Beef Lowe comes up with the meat and potatoes of the offensive game plan, just like Josh McDaniels would, right? But for what's going to go from there is he's going to have that game plan, and then as they watch film on the first day of practice two weeks ago and things like that, Bill's going to continue to 
dissect it and pick up flaws and maybe we shouldn't do this. So in a weird way, Flores handles the install. Yes. He goes, this is what I believe and Bill at this point trusts him enough. Right, because he knows he believes the same thing Bill yes. does at the core principle so they're going to It's kind of like there. when I when I see chefs in very like great kitchens, right. there's a bunch of people that build it and then there's the chef at the end that goes, this needs to go this way, this needs to go that way. Right. They're very close way, but Bill he has the have finishing do- touch. Right? Gotcha. Right? You know what I mean? That's and the then I, I'm sure Bill handles in game adjustments. I, I would think so. And he's and Bill and Flores knows you know, so he'll be he would be something like, Hey B, we gotta change, you know, blah 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 to this, blah blah blah. Yeah. Yep, you're right, Bill. That's right. I was just getting on that. You know, they're 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 at the point where they're probably very close to sure. being able to finish each other's sentences like that way. So B Flow certainly deserves a lot of credit. But don't get it fucked up. The it's best coach Belichick. on that team yes. is Bill Belichick. What was the defensive game plan? Like I said, I was just reading about yeah. six down linemen yeah. and, and the quarter coverage. Well, remember we talked about that a lot last week, right? How we thought they would play like the bare front and right. try to take away. Well, they didn't play necessarily the bare front, right? So they played four down front, and they didn't necessarily go you know, center and cover the two guards. Right. They did like what you would call an over defense, where you have the shade nose, right? Yep. So let's just say if you're the quarterback and the tight end is to the right and you're walking the line of scrimmage, okay? Yeah. There's going to be a defense end to your left. The the tackle on your left is going to be a nose tackle shaded on the on the left shoulder of your center. Then the other defensive tackle was going to be on the outside shoulder of the right guard and then the defense end over the tight end to that side. So the defense is playing to the strong side They're of the They're playing offense. to the strong side. They got four down linemen. Now then they put Kyle Van Noy on the line of scrimmage to the weak side, opposite of the tight end so always. So now we have five down now you have five. And then they brought Patrick Chung up to be the guy who was over the tight end to be the sixth guy. He was on the outside edge of the tight end. So if they wanted to play man-to-man, he's there to cover the tight end right. man-to-man. And if they're playing zone, he's on the proper zo- side for the zone coverage as well. And I also read a lot right. this morning that this is very similar to what Patricia did to the Rams in Week 13. I think it's a very similar to what they did. And it was very effective. In that very game effective. Too. And what they what, did, yeah, what does that do to the to the Rams? Yeah, offense? well, so this is what it does to the inside. First of all, you got the guys outside like Van Noy and Chung, right? So now all those speed sweeps, they have enough speed to gonna, catch them around right, the edge or see it coming, right. Because there's nobody really blocking them; they're kind of free. So if they see it coming, they're going to cut it off and make you cut inside. And they're both two very good read and react players. Phenomenal IQ is off the. Charts for football at their position. Both it's of them. so fun. Remember when the Eagles had Chung and he was so bad? I know. It's just it's just more proof that in no other sport is coaching more important. Yes, coaching knowledge of the. That's why it's Belichick. Yeah, man. that's why it's, it's not Belichick. just it's Belichick. Right, exactly right. So, so they, they do had the that. Six guys, six guys, right? And, and you, then what was behind them? So, well, but let's go to the front four first because this is where I thought it was really cool. So now you have those four. Now, what did it do to the other four guys? You have the two guys on the edge, Van Noy and Chung, right? Are going to try to funnel. They're basically the edge setters. Yes. So now your defense ends. Don't worry, have to about setting the edge. You want to run inside zone, they can kind of attack and collapse the the lanes or the run, Is that right? why Romo kept drawing straight lines? A little bit, And yes. kept going, they're, they're just going to come up. They're just going to come they up. They did not do their normal New England let's two gap and right. read it. They kind of played, let's go to the one gap and be aggressive and collapse the inside zone running scheme. I feel like you've said this 
is that's the way to defend the Rams it, it, for a long it time. It is. It's a way to defend a lot of these type of running teams. It's really New England didn't do this against Kyle Shannon and the Falcons. That's why they got torn up in the run game a little bit. Because they, they were tried trying to two gap. gap and they just left too many holes. So I bet you that was part of their thinking too. Like, damn, they're going to try to do some of those yeah. runs. So we have to just play single gap integrity defense. And then off of that, hey, we saw man-to-man for the majority. The interesting thing I thought with the man-to-man was they went Gilmore on Cooks, just yep. as we expected. They went J.C. Jackson on Gerald Everett. So this is two and weeks Gerald in a row. Gerald Everett had zero catches. Did nothing. And, Ger- and then he covered, Trevor, uh, being covered Kelsey the week before, right? Yes. The so they did that. And then our man Jonathan Jones in a lot of big situations, he would cover Robert Woods. And they would have him because he's a quicker type, but a lot of the times underneath helped him out. If they were playing man-to-man, it looked like to me – that they doubled Woods, not because they were necessarily like, this is Robert Woods, we're going to compare him to Tyree Kill, he's right. like that, more because this is Robert Woods, and in big passing situations, he's usually the scheme guy. McVay makes it to where yes. the play's designed for him. So they always had a guy inside and outside on him. The Patriots also played probably more zone than I saw them play all year. But why? Because, one, the run game we talked about. And my guess would be Belichick knows the areas of the field that McVay wants to attack. He probably had a good feel for the areas, exactly right. And the other thing is, Romo hit on this, and I know we've talked about the tight splits of the receivers, right? When the receivers are really in tight splits, and it's they're hard close, to play man to man. Hard to play bump, right? Because the guy goes across the formation, all of a sudden you run into your linemen, the yeah. linebackers, everything get, becomes a natural pick, right? Yeah. So I think Belichick saw that and said, why would I do that to my guys? And and he goes, I think I have a good feel for what this guy calls. Exactly. And now he can drop people in the right areas or and not be picked in case they try to do too many man-to-man type concepts. McVay came out and took the blame and the said he got out coached. He's the man. I just got so much respect for him. Do you agree with the sentence? Yeah, I agree with it. No, no question. I mean, he was out. His answer to Belichick. Yeah, well, because that's what you always see in these games yeah. is the evolution of the second, third quarter, right. the adjustments. How did each team adjust? I think mean, his answers. I, New England never really had to adjust on the defensive side of the ball. I felt like they had some success with bootlegs. A I felt like bit. when he rolled out and hit the guy coming underneath, but right. that was few and far few between. Few and far between, exactly. And then right. I felt like they they took a few deep shots, right? And there were opportunities there. There was. They had Brandon Cooks down the sideline, of course. That was a tight but yeah, one. What was their, their true answer, though, I, his philosophy I, I think their, the true philosophy change for the Rams is what you saw a little bit. I'm going to say, what was that? Maybe the second drive of the third quarter where they stayed in the huddle, right? And I don't know if you heard Romo talk about this, but they were staying in the huddle until 16 seconds. Instead of usually mm. being the Rams where they get up to the line and, and they adjust. They adjust. They basically said, you know what? We're not going to let Belichick They're adjusting adjust. better than us today. Wow. And they're on our stuff. So let's just stay in the huddle, and when we break, let's get up there and see if our pace can confuse them. They did this a little bit in the, the Saints game, finally, when they turned things around. Right. Let's stop their communication. They obviously have a good game plan. Let's see if we can get up there, and now with the pace, we can fuck their, their you know, talk and communication right. up to where they'll mess something up. Of course, that did not happen. And... Uh, I'm also thinking they probably had to do that. Why? Because it was a damn Patriots home game. It That's was. why. I was walking around the stadium, and it was 12-1 to 1 Patriots fans. My friends from Boston in the stadium. Might be 100-1. to 1. They, were, they, they thought it was like definitely 80-20 for sure. 
you know, I had two friends who texted me like pregame. One was like, it's 80 20. And then the other friend responded on group text going, I don't think it's even that. I think it's 90 10. Yes. You guys brought that up to Melvin Ingram just about the Chargers and how he's not fueled by fan noise. And he acted like it was no big deal. He was like, nah, we're the same players. No, he did say, though, about how it's a benefit. He said it would be a benefit, but he didn't make a big deal about it. When Sim said it would be so great for your team because you'd be able to pin your ears back, that's when I felt like he looked at us and was like, damn. That would help me yeah, out. Sure. Yeah, that yeah. would be nice. I just felt like he like almost downplayed it when it really is a big deal. It he's just like. not going to make it. Yeah, any he's, excuse. Not he's ASAP. I mean, and he just squad don't get any squad place. place. Yeah. Bolt he really is. Or a, don't bang. That's football Bolt players. Bolt gang and don't bang. <laughs> he's the, he he's not going to make excuses. Right. That's you know that's what a real football player would do. It's just what they do. Okay. No, that's we got a shitty crowd and that's so what and we're just going to have to play yeah. squad any place. All right. So that was the adjustments. And then how did Belichick and the offense adjust to? what Wade Phillips did to get their touchdown in the third quarter. I think fairly early on. And they started breaking some long runs, too, towards the end of the game. Right, right. And I think fairly early on, when they realized, okay, Brady threw an interception. Next try, Brady almost threw an interception, like the second throw. Then he fumbled about two plays after that, and they recovered it. I think at that point right there, Bill said, my defense has got them. And I have four running backs that can carry this And I'm not going to let... I'm not going to let I'm not gonna, oh. Tom, okay? I'm not going to let Tom screw the game up, but more importantly, I'm not going to let Donald and Sue ruin the game. And I think that's really where the game went back to. I think New England came into this going, we're fine with 17-10. We're going to win 17-10. But I'm not going to try to get into a 30 to 24 shootout with these guys and the game becomes wide open because they got more super freaks than us and one of those super freaks might make a play in a big moment to turn the game so they went conservative on them yeah how do they stop donald what was the game plan i I mean i think the thing you saw more than anything on a lot of the big runs was they took advantage of them flying up field i just remember that first run it was like it was uh, the tight end coming and they trapped him right like they did that and sony michelle got like 15 yards right sue was like five yards exactly i think they let their Aggressive, and I, again, I'll give everybody a more more definitive answers on the uh, Wednesday pod when I can really break this down. But yes, in a long story short, that looks like what they did more than anything. You guys want to fly upfield, be aggressive, that's fine. But we we'll have trap, so many yeah. ways to run traps, or what they would call the Y wham or the fullback wham, where you know you see Gronk kind of inch towards the center, right? And Brady says set hut, and then they let that tackle to that side, just f- defensive tackle, go upfield, and he gets sideswiped by a Gronk who's coming in from an angle knock him out of the way and then the ball just straight up field mm. like a, a, a quick hitter and uh, quick you're welcome yep. to anybody that took the under Gronk That's receptions right. uh, over and Gronk yards over That's did you right. parlay that? I didn't bet okay. it. Yeah. No. I just like saying what I would bet so that's on wax. Edelman was amazing. Edelman what they was. found, what they found a way to do, and where they yeah, cracked what, how the they code. get him open? Where they did, they cracked the code. Eventually, was they finally figured out like, okay, we got them in some formations where we know it's zone, and more times than not, like you saw in a lot of his catches, what there was a few down the field that were great, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but really the over the middle stuff was they got him one on one with a middle linebacker, right? More times than not. And because it was the Rams six are yards, to do eight that. yards, yes, all those type of plays. The Rams' defense was phenomenal. Come on, all the 
t- they were on the field a lot in the first half. It was 20 to 10 basically in the first half. 2 to 1 they were on the field. They don't substitute a lot of guys. Um they had a bad penalty on the drive. Guskowski missed the field goal because they called the oh, that was screen bad. pass where the guy got hit. Like I Nick, that, Nicole Roby Coleman was it was like a such a stupid. flush tackle. That was so stupid. But Right, if that would have turned into points, I would have been very That would have been annoying, right. But either way, you know, the the Patriots played conservative on offense. And the story of the Patriots all year has been their O-line and their running game. And that's what they played through. And their defense is really talented, and they're really good up front. And what we said a lot last week was it was a size versus speed matchup, and the size wore them down eventually. And it just there were just not enough players on the Rams, and there wasn't enough offense to dictate the pace of the game to the favor they wanted and the bigger, more conditioned, truest, true best fourth quarter team I've ever seen in the history of sports. And I saw an interview today with Belichick talking about that, that he felt like, Josh sat here and watched it with me, where he felt like the longer the game went and the closer it was, that that favored them yes. and that they are one of the best conditioned teams in all of sports. It was cool to hear him say that. And they are. Like I've said, they're the only team I freaking know that still runs gassers mm. in week 8 and week 12 and week 16 in the wild card round. They are running gassers because they are not going to die out in the fourth quarter or in overtime versus Atlanta in that Super Bowl. They never die out. So uh, I'm very much into the wagering and gambling and stuff. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about it is there's analytics that every different group of people that focus on football has that the other groups don't even know about. Uh, the fantasy community has so many analytics that they use to, to chart how good players are. This is the first time I've heard about this should-have-been-score formula. Uh, this is from the VEASAN network that I was following cool. around. They said what the score should have been. Right. What you do is you take rushing yards right. and you times it by two. Right. Then you add passing yards, multiply that by point six seven, divide it by fifteen, and the should have been score would have been. Let me guess. Don't tell me yet. Hold on. Because then you're factoring where you moving the ball, and then it looks at like missed field goals and goes, you would have gotten that. Does it factor? In, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think. Does it factor in plays like golf missing cooks wide open down the middle? No, it, it's no. More, it's more about like how effective your offense is and right. how many points you should get from an offense right. like that. So the score should have been 17 to six. So they got the score should have been 25 to 14. 25 Patriots. To 14. Okay, and I I should see that. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, sure, sure. but I had never heard of that stuff, and that was interesting. That's a new one. Yeah. Um. What. Is the deal with Todd Gurley? Did you guys see the McVeigh quote about him? No. So let me just read this real, real quick because I thought it was kind of weird. So McVeigh said about Gurley, I actually think it is more of a result of the kind of opportunities he he had. I don't want to beat a broken record, but the reality is that we didn't get a lot of plays off in general until you kind of get into some of those unknown passing situations toward the end, and it seemed like we did end up having success. Uh, Todd is healthy. We just didn't really get a chance to get anybody going today offensively, and that starts with me. I didn't really like what was he saying with the first one. Well, first the of opportunities all, he had McVeigh with an amazing simsism, beating a broken record, yeah. combining I don't want to be a broken record and beating a dead horse. Phenomenal, that is right? Great one, yes. All right, but yeah, what what because it sounds like he's saying I didn't call the plays. That yeah, he I think he's just saying their offense never got into a flow there. Read the first part of it again. Ready to hear that part again? I actually think it is more of a result of the kind of opportunities he had. Right. I don't want to beat a broken record, but yeah. the reality is that we didn't get a lot of plays off in general yeah. until you kind of get into some of those known passing situations toward the end. Right. And it seems
seemed like we did end up having success. Yeah, he's just saying they never he never got opportunities. They never got in the flow of the game. They never really got the offense going. All the things we worried about with the Rams when we saw them lose to the Eagles and the Bears right. and their front get pushed around, right. it was an issue. It was an issue. Their front got pushed around yep. once again. I mean, Dante Hightower got sacks, right? All of those things that he was phenomenal. I mean, what, how many did the, the, they ended up with? What four? I four think? sacks. Yeah. So four and sacks and interception. One. And the Rams had one on a by, play where Brady like sat there for eight seconds by a guy that I didn't even know was on the Rams. Exactly right. Me neither. So there you go. Like I mean, it just showed you again the greatness of that New England offensive line. How talented they are. Uh, but yes, their offense never got going. Belichick was all over everything they wanted to do. And Gurley, hey, you know, he obviously does not look totally like explosive 100% to me. Maybe this, this the toll of the season caught up to him. I, I don't know what other what else to say, but either way, there wasn't a whole lot of lanes to run through. I don't give a damn if they mm. had brought back Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. It was not going to be a big rushing day right. with seven people at the line of scrimmage. Right. They had to back people off in the pass. And, and I think they were that. confused by some of the zone coverages. And then there was a few third and twos and third and threes where I was yelling at the TV, fucking run it! Run it on third and two or third and three. New England was putting all these people in the line of scrimmage and dropping eight because they were like, we know you won't have the balls to run it. You're going to pass it. I guarantee it. That is one of and, the Sims' themes of 2018. Right. Is the good teams have the balls to run it on third and three. Exactly right. You have to. And Belichick sat there and said, I'll put a few people in the line of scrimmage and play the same look I've been playing, but they won't run it. I know it here. They'll chicken out because that, that offense a play caller over there who yeah. loves offense, he's He'd just not going to feel good about, I'm calling a run on third and three. Behind Austin Blythe. He's going to trust, right. He's going to trust, I'm going to give it to Goff and my receivers and my play design, and Bell, old Billy Ball game was like, oh, that's what I thought you'd do, and I'm going to have eight guys, and there's going to be nowhere to fucking throw it. It is funny. Sorry, that I'm third, dropping a lot of F-bombs It is today. funny that like third and two <laughs> has turned into a passing down for most teams in the a, NFL. A lot of teams it has. Yes, I know. But Even though, even though if you ran it on first and got four, ran it on second and got four, you could run it again on third and get four, but no, now now those last two, it's easier to pass. I, it's amazing. and that's we've, we've, I think, mentioned that a lot over the last five or six weeks, where New England is not afraid of third and two or Third and three. Neither were you your just have Eagles. To break routine. It. Yes, break routine. Because right. the Rams have felt like always through on third and two. They did a lot of times yesterday. Certainly, uh, Josh knows me too well. What he put in the rundown. Jared Goff poopy pants. <laughs> did you see that report before the game? What? what? Oh, the like, New England Patriots yeah, report. There was a report that came out before the game, and the quote was something like, "The Patriots believe that if they keep the ball in Jared Goff's hands, uh, Jared Goff's hands, he will poop his pants and lose the game." Like right. that was actually in the Bleacher Report alert. Right. Yeah, and it I was, was like, an alert too. It was a random alert. Yeah, and it was like a poop emoji in the alert, <laughs> and I was like, "Is Lefko a source now on behalf of the Patriots yeah. that they're <laughs> just going to keep the ball in Goff's I, hands?" Whenever I don't like a quarterback's performance, I usually say they have poopy pants you disease. Do. Yes, you do. Uh, I. I, I really when you watch the film, yeah, on that one third and two, right, when he held it forever, and then like Kyle Van Noy ran by and he just went to his knees, right, and he didn't throw it away, yeah, he, right, right. I, I really want to know what was happening. Yeah, downfield. there, there was there, there was another throw down the left sideline where I know Romo pointed out like he was confused by Wildly the coverage, underthrown. and he had the outcut to a Woods open. He definitely did not have his a good game. I mean, there's no other way to say that. Uh, the ball came out of his hand funny. He was certainly confused at times. Yeah, and it was a good. Ga- defensive game plan as well, but you know, again, again, 
Uh, hey, all quarterbacks need help, certainly. And and Jared Goff has a still has a bright future in front of him. But yeah, that was a learning experience, and that was humble pie for him and Sean McVay. They both got their butts yeah. whooped, and I think they're just going to have to accept that and continue to build. And I think again, it just shows you how like special Patrick Mahomes was the week before, right? Because life isn't wasn't that easy either for him. But he was physically gifted enough to make four or five plays in that game where you go, damn. My offense got shut out, yeah. but this dude is so freaking good that he was still capable of scoring 31 points, and we really couldn't do anything other than him scrambling on a third and two and throwing a bomb, or a bomb, the one bomb to Tyree Kill, or running down the sidelines and throwing a piss missile to a guy that had no angle to catch yeah. it and where. You know, that's where a special quarterback comes into so play. So I asked Kelsey about Mahomes, right. and I said, I said, you know, there's a lot of great players in this league that don't ever get a quarterback. And now, like, you have Mahomes. And he, like, looked at me, and he was like, I feel like my career is just starting. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's like, this is incredible. Yeah. He, he's like, he's better than advertised, man. Mahomes, like, should, Mahomes is the first guy I could say that he could throw for 60 touchdown passes. I'm, I'm calling the shot right here. Like, he could do it. Because you, how many times last oh, yeah. year did I come away going, he left some plays on the field? Especially with the right. shovel passes in that Andy Reid offense That's where they I mean. manufacture the they easier touchdowns. Exactly right. Like, I would not be shocked if he threw for 60 touchdown passes. Here is my yearly reminder to everybody about how unfamous NFL players are. I am walking down the street with my friend Dan and his family and we're walking down and who whizzes by on a scooter at about 25 miles an hour but Tyreek Hill. And he's literally he's literally wearing a 10 hoodie that he probably got at some event. Right. And he whizzes by and I go, Tyreek, you're the man. And Dan, my friend Dan goes, who was that? I go, it was Tyreek Hill. He goes, Really? And he's just weaving it down the streets, and no one has any idea who he is. It's incredible. It's incredible. The Super Bowl is incredible. Oh, yeah, this is a funny story, Me and Lefko were walking to lunch on uh, Saturday before I left, right. and we walked past Jonathan Ogden, and no one was saying shit to him. And Lefko went up to him, and he was like, isn't it crazy that someone like you can walk down the street and no one bothers you? I didn't even say like That's all I said. I said, yeah. I said someone like you. I go, legend of the game, six feet eight, no one saying anything. We saw Ebron. No one said a word to him. And, we, and, and Ogden just was like, uh-huh, and then started walking faster. And then Josh looks at me and he goes, I'm disappointed I didn't recognize yeah, I didn't Ogden. Get it. I didn't that's get one it. of my, like, but that's what happens. We I went, know. me and Ina went to the EA Sports party on right. Wednesday. Right. And it's just, dude, it was packed with NFL players. Yeah. And Enum's like, I don't know who any of these people are. Right. I, didn't I go, that's think... Kenyon Drake and that's Dak Prescott. Right. And, you know, like there I wasn't know. even a huge crowd uh, when we saw Trubisky on the sidewalk. He was like taking a picture with one person, but I did yes. not feel like people were like no, really Ke- knew Kelsey who it was. really got the most reaction out of everyone that I was around. I I could see that. He's, I mean, he's, he's he's a little bit more in the pop culture and everything is, too. Right? Been in some big games. He's been on TV and a lot of big moments here as of late. Yeah, I mean, he's the best tight end in the sport right now. Right. So. But yeah, you're yeah, right. It's amazing. All these, and then okay, so we, we have to get to this. So Mahomes went. Oh wait, no, we have to do this. Brady now has six rings. Yeah, Belichick now has eight rings. Right, two from the defensive coordinator of the Giants. Right, um, historically. Yeah, and and I'll get to Edelman in a second. Yeah. But Brady with six. Come on, man. This is amazing what we're saying. So I'm, I'm going to continue to say it. Don't hate. Appreciate. Everybody, just accept it. They're going to be back next year. I'm going to say this. So, like, it's amazing what they're doing. It's the greatest dynasty in the history of sports and American sports. And Boston is title town. And what the city of Boston is doing right now is 
off the charts. I, I mean, saw a video of Boston fans right. leaving the stadium, and it looked like they were leaving a third preseason game. Yeah. They were just like, all right, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Philadelphia, they greased poles because they were afraid of the carnage we were going to do. And Boston is now at a point where they're like, all right, where's the trophy emoji so I can put one, two, three, four, five, six, and then pose with my family? Like, it's so casual. It's incredible. They're amazing. They're, I mean, it is. They're spoiled, but they appreciate it. They took over that stadium, and they'll have millions tomorrow for the parade in New England. Yes, they will. They are amazing fans, as obnoxious as they can be at times. Uh, and I don't mind it because I feel like, damn, if one of my, if the Yankees and Giants were that good, I'd be just as obnoxious. Mm. I'd be rubbing it in everybody's face, too. So I get it. But it is, I mean, think about this. And what's amazing, I mean, the Red Sox kind of did, like, to the Dodgers, just what like the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees. What the what the Patriots did to the Rams it was like, uh, we'll flirt with you for a little oh, bit. We're clearly the better team, and we'll put you away when we're ready. Like that's what they do. It's just Boston. I didn't even realize it was the same cities. Right? It's amazing right now what the what they're doing. Everyone is going to debate, and and Sims's rules for quarterbacks and who's the greatest of all time is different yeah. because you're looking at ability and you're also factoring in coaching and all yes, that stuff. Yes, right. And but I, I would say that in terms of playing the quarterback position, yeah, Tom Brady is the best that's ever done it. Sure, I mean, you know, I understand in terms what you're of saying. The, the mix of the inner intellect, the the comfortability, right? Uh, the 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 consistency. I get because it. when whenever I hear from elite athletes, yep. they say that the number one thing that we always talk about is consistent greatness. Right. And for him to do it this long, it's it's like LeBron. The fact it's that these special. two athletes, yeah. And it, it, I bring in like Roger Federer, right? Like just of this era. There's a there's a few guys in different sports right. that have done it for so long, right? And to be at that level for so long is insane. Yeah. I will say this, because it, it's so hard to separate Brady and Belichick, even though I give like 75% to Belichick is when you think about the greatest teams, there's always the bracket of the beginning of it to the end. So the Packers, it's going to be like sometime in the 50s to sometime in the 60s. And then the Niners, it's going to be like sometime to the 80s until like the very beginning of the 90s. And the Cowboys are going to be like the beginning of the 90s until like the middle end of the 90s. And then you're going to see the Patriots. And it's going to say 2001 dash. Right. And we're already at 2019. Yeah. So, like, let's think about that. Like, these teams are doing it for six years, eight years. You got teams like the Bears that was, like, two years. They thought it was going to be ten years. Like, we thought the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be a dynasty. We thought the Seahawks were going to be a dynasty. But for two decades, this is 20 we're at 20 years. Yeah, it's 20 or 30s Yankees. It's 50 or 60s Celtics. That's what we're seeing. And it's more than them. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, and uh, we could go another five years. And we could go a few more years. And it's in the only sport in our country where everything is made to be equal. It's the Every o- year on the NFL, there's one team in the NFC South that goes from worst to first. Who could it be this year? It's That's the theme of the NFL. Yeah. Who's going to suck this year that's going to be great next year? Yeah. No, I mean. They're great every year. Again, Brady is so amazing. Belichick is so amazing. I'm never going to sit here and go, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever live. At no point. So don't everybody tune in to ever think those words are going to come out of my mouth. 
I'm just sorry. There's this not going to happen. I say it every okay. time he wins a Super Bowl. I, I feel like I come in here and go, I don't know, Sims. He's I think amazing. Brady's I the know. Best. I mean, that performance yesterday, I know, Lefko. He won the game for him. It was just him. <laughs> well, I just got an you alert know? that said. And that, that 145 yards he had in that first Super Bowl. I know. I'm just trying to put it into perspective yes. for everybody. He's awesome. He's absolutely amazing. He's. The, I'll say this. The greatest leader to ever play quarterback position. That's okay? beautiful. He's the greatest leader ever. He's amazing. I I I would dream to be him if I was playing quarterback in football. To watch him in the locker room after the game with the Super Bowl trophy, right. going to guys that nobody knows, yes. and going, you got to hold this. Right. He. He, every moment he has planned out in his head. He's just a naturally good guy. He's not. He really a, is. He's not. It's natural. He's not. He's it's um, not manufactured. It's really not. There's niceness in Tom Brady's eyes. I've always thought that from day one. And when I met You're him, I continue that I am. I'm a big eye guy. And then so, I followed the eyes with the actions. And his eyes and actions tell me he is a good person. And that's where he's amazing. And he would be, if my son ever played quarterback, I would want him to approach his career the way Tom Brady has, where you live it. There's nothing else to it. You'll have plenty of time when your career is over to do other stuff, whatever it may be. But why you're in it, yeah. it's all about winning and being a leader and working hard. I don't care. He never cares about the Pro Bowl, right? Because right? he's he not in this shit to win Pro Bowls, like I heard him say last week. I'm right. here to win championships. But other great quarterbacks are like, oh, i got to get to the Pro Bowl because it's good for my brand. Tom's like, fuck my brand. I'm going to go back here and get back to work because I want to win the Super Bowl next yeah. year. Him yelling on the sidelines. When they showed that montage in the pregame stuff, him being a leader, telling the offense, like, Hey, we gotta do this, and we gotta do the like that makes that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up when I see that, and that's where he is special. Let alone the special talents he has, yeah. and still has a special arm. Uh, that's where it's amazing, and he is a all-time sports legend yep. pantheon up there with Jordan, LeBron. He's Muhammad on your Ali. Mount Rushmore of he quarterbacks, is. though. He's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Okay, good. I always say he's the third greatest quarterback for me of all time. And you have him behind Rodgers and Elway. Elway. Those are the only two. And I'm not trying to, again, I don't want to make this against Tom no, Brady. No, 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 no. But no. I do. I think if you put those guys on the New England Patriots, they'd have the Super Bowls too. It's 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 a team right. sport. But I, I would agree with you, though. His leadership, who he is as a person, right. his drive. Yes. He's a lot like Kobe in that regard. Right. Where, you know, Kobe has five rings and, and Kobe was the kind of guy. But he's nicer. Of course. And the team likes him more. I feel like Kobe's gotten nicer as he's gotten older. Yeah. And I feel like the difference was is that Brady came out of nowhere and was sure. a six-round pick and got humbled from the beginning. Right. And Kobe was a guard that came out of high school, and you never saw a guard come out of high school. Right. And he was also... Think of, think of, and we're going to have a Kobe discussion. Think about Kobe that everyone forgets is he's half Italian. Yeah. Like he was raised in Italy. Yeah. And like there's a lot of European players that have these attitudes and stuff. And right. I look at Kobe as half like European yeah, I in, hear in you. a way. But I, hear you. I think Brady is, it's special. Um, how could he not go home and go, I can do this for five more years? Yeah. Like this team is not even close to as good as the other teams that I've won Super Bowls with. I don't was, necessarily agree with that. I will okay, well okay. I will say this because okay. I know what you're gonna say. Right. 
they have players on their team right. that we're going to look back five years from now and go, right. damn, I didn't factor in J.C. Jackson, how good he was right. back then. Exactly. I didn't factor in the ten guys in that front seven that they rotated exactly. or how good in their the... interior offensive exactly line is. Right, I get it. Right. But I'm also looking at yeah. Chris Hogan with a, with a loss of a step. Yeah. Edelman's the worst. Edelman at this stage of his career is yeah. the worst number one he's had, right. I would say, for a lot of those teams. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a Gronk that is nowhere near all the other positions. Yeah. But then when you factor in how Belichick handles it, you get the Rex Burkhead, you get the Sonny Michelle, you get the James White. It was a perfect Patriots team. It was. Because it was just droves of humans. Made for the playoffs. They were kind of different this year. They were made for the playoffs. They're made physical. To, physical. We'll control the clock. Our defense can control the line of scrimmage. We got good shutdown corners. I thought that was where it was interesting. It was a lot like their early 2000 teams. It really was. The teams that beat the Panthers right. and beat the Rams the first time around, where it wasn't about pizzazz and everything like right. that. And as usual, they played their best football down the stretch. You know, I thought Brady was funny. He was like, December, he's like, yeah, we struggled. He goes, I don't really count the Dolphins loss. He said that. He goes, because he thought it was fluky. He goes, kind of fluky. He goes, but, you know, the Steelers game, that was a tough one. But from that point on, he goes, we played really good football. And again, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Rams. One sack. Can't even tell you what Aaron, Tom's eyes look like still. Aaron Donald, Indomitian Sue, Chris Jones, D4, Justin Houston, Joey Bosa, Mark, uh, Melvin Ingram, zero sacks. It's amazing. Zero sacks. It's amazing. Edelman wins MVP. Yep. All right, so cool. I'm happy. <laughs> okay? I'm I'm happy for Edelman because I know he lives this too. I am too. so conflicted. But it's conflicted with this, anybody that well, tests positive for PEDs. Uh, this is the and, first Jewish Super Bowl MVP. But is he I, Jewish? Yes. I didn't know that. I heard him say Lahayim at the end in yes. one of his press conferences. It's hilarious. He but is. I I'm just telling everybody, like, one of my goals is to get Edelman to teach Gronk how to play dreidel. I just think that would be the funniest. Gronk would know, be, be like, I kept my fingers are too big to spin it. But I, I just look at Edelman, and I am a little conflicted. Yeah. It, how Patriots is it? That a guy is suspended four games for PEDs and in the same season win Super Bowl MVP. Second time it's happened, right? For them? When, oh, Brady, Brady was, was the first. Suspended and wow. he won this MVP for the Atlanta Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah. Right? It's, fine. it's really it's amazing. But Edelman, I don't want to I don't like the PED thing. You know I don't. That bothers me to my core, okay? He's still amazing. He's an NFL legend. He's not an NFL Hall of Famer. Okay, he's not. That's he's a not. big discussion today. Not, not when you're. What, what are his accomplishments? At I mean, this point? two Pro Bowls, or it, I don't it, care about Pro Bowls, but okay, yeah. no All Pros. That I care about that. He's 148th on the all-time catch list. Right. He's 248th on the all-time yardage list. So now he's what a three-time Super Bowl champion right. and a Super Bowl MVP. Again, he's awesome player for an awesome system. Deion Branch isn't a Hall of Famer, he, but no. he's better than Deion Branch. But uh, he is. But either way, again, I'm just going to say this. In the Edelman Hall of Fame, he's an NFL legend, and he's going to have moments where his name is going to come up, as you would say, in the story of the NFL because of the great catch yes. against the Atlanta Falcons. Unbelievable. And the shot he took against the Seahawks, Seahawks where he was concussed and still got the first wow. down. Now that I say that, he was so huge in all three Super Bowls. No doubt. So that, so you got that. Because he really was the guy in the Seattle Super Bowl. He was. I mean, especially, again, that was 20-10, to 10, the great Seattle defense, so a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and it was Edelman and Brady making plays. Wow. But to that... 
Okay, so yes, he's amazing. But again, man, there is so many great receivers on this list of Hall of Fame line right now. I mean, great receivers. And Edelman is awesome. But he he's, has to be a part of a system. Edelman's not like Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones where you just go, again, line up upside, outside, yeah. and if the best corner takes you, you'll beat them all game, or they'll have to double-team you. No, that's not what he is, but he's still really right, good. Let me play devil's yeah, advocate sure. here. The Hall of Fame is not for the best athletes regardless of scheme. The Hall of Fame is about the contributions to the game. The Hall of Fame is for the best players ever, and there's a lot of other players you could put in Julian Edelman's position and they would have that same success. Yeah, but the Hall of Fame is about like what you win and what your statistics are. They, they don't bring you up and go, he had a shitty offensive coordinator for 16 years. I, I get that, but you don't just get to go in because your coach designs a play where you're wide open it. in the middle of the field. I'm just I mean, saying, so in his three Super Bowl games, uh, he did not play in the one game against the Giants in 2012. Look at his career. Career rankings, but like here's can, what he did in the Super Bowls. Here's what, I'm just saying what yeah, he did in the Super ahead, Bowls. Yesterday, 10 for 141. Yes. Seattle, uh, 9 for 109 and a touchdown. Right. Atlanta, 5 for 87 and one of the biggest catches of the game. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying, though, about the Hall of Fame. I'm not ranking wide receivers, but when a career is over, you look at the collection of things they did. It is about the hardware and the mantle. But you're giving him the opportunity because he has a great team but around but him. That's the that's unfair not, shit. That's, that's, but that's what I said to Travis Kelsey shit. about playing with Mahomes. That's that's not real shit, though. That's okay. not a Hall of Fame player. He might have maybe had a Hall of Fame storied career, but that doesn't get you in the Hall of Fame so for me. So who's somebody in the Hall of Fame that has had a similar career to Julian Edelman that you don't think should be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I can't think of that, but you'd have to give me some names or I'd have to look at that. People but, that were part of a system, I guess. You know can what you I mean? tell the story of the NFL without Julian Edelman? Yes, I don't think that's the end be end all be all. I'm no, not his ready name's to say, going to come up yeah. in some of those games because of some of the legendary plays. But just because you had a legendary play doesn't mean you no, are course. going into the Hall of Fame. M- my point, I'm just saying, is I don't even think Julian Edelman at this point of his career. I think he's got to put a few more years up and he's got to rise up those ranks. I'm just saying though, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, you know, they they just bring up they bring up statistics and they bring up accomplishments, right? It's not about who you played with, and they they they, they well, forget his that. Statistics shit. are going to be less than yes. He's two hundred and forty eighth all time on the receiving yards list. Right, yeah. that's what I said. Right, and then yeah, that's, that, well, that ain't going to get in. And then his receptions go to that. I believe not it's one hundred forty fifth or something like that. Strider. But you got to remember, he's getting. He's up there in years. You know, he won a number of years of having to sit behind Wes Welker right. and be a special teams guy. He's tied for 148 on the all-times receptions list with 499 catches. He's got Cliff Branch and Ben Coates. Wow. Uh, well, he's going to be 33 in May. Yeah, so I mean. So he, he's got like two or three more years left. I mean. So again, we'll see how he does when NFL he's not, legend, you know. not trying to be a hater on Julian Edelman. I'm just trying to keep it real for my expertise, which I am a fucking expert, whether you like it or not. There's nobody that's followed football as hard as me since four years old. There might be a few that can compare, and they're up there with me, but I'm just telling you, you ask any of my friends or family, history of football, pulling up numbers, pulling up players, I'm pretty damn good, okay? He'll be in the Jewish Exponent Hall of Fame for <laughs> Next sure. Next to Bernie Kosar. <laughs> yeah, and Sandy Koufax. But he's, he's amazing, uh, and there, that's all there is to say about that. I mean, that trio... Brady, Gronk, Edelman? Yes. That's a Hall of Fame trio. That's mm. special. That's one of the best trios we've ever seen. You talk about guys that get the most out of their ability, yes. live the sport, clutch in big moments. Yes. Man, that's, I mean, Gronk and, and Brady, of course, you know are I first like ballot Hall of Famers. They're all boys. They're boys. 
and they are all psychopaths. Yep. And they live it. They live it. Yes. They it's, really it's do. It's every day. It's about getting better. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to work out that. I'm going to think about this, whatever it is, and that's what I love about them. All right, you were mentioned. We were talking about the Hall of Fame. Do you have the class that went yeah, in this year for the Hall of by. Fame? Uh, what was really cool was we did three interviews, uh, and again, I'm going to be putting these interviews out in the upcoming weeks. Right. Uh, but we did a full one with Champ Bailey, a full one with Ty Law, awesome. and a full one with Ed Reed. Awesome. All three got into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So the Sims and Left go blessing. I think I think we helped. Yeah, so good. the class good. this year: Champ Bailey, Pat Bolin, Gil. Brant, Tony Gonzalez, Ty Law, Kevin Mawai, Ed Reed, and Johnny Robinson. Yeah. So what was really cool if you were following Bleacher Report's Instagram, and I, I believe we're going to have more videos coming out of this, yep. is we had access to a number of these guys to see our good friend David Baker, uh, Andre the Giant 2.0, knocking on the door and like saying hi to people. And Ty Ke- Law was the coolest. I thought Kevin Mawai was the oh, coolest. Oh, yeah, he was great too. Kevin Mawai broke down. And the thing is, is... Ty Law and those guys, uh, Ty Law got emotional too because he didn't get in last year and that was great. Champ, I could feel it like the weight came off his shoulders. Uh, Ed Reed came out there like, was, I'm ready to go. Yeah. But that's Ed Reed. He yeah. knew he was getting in. Yeah, of course he did. But it's the guys like Kevin Mawai. I always say this. There are certain guys that when they're still playing are often referred to as future Hall of Famer. And we say this as though it's guaranteed. And boy, does it happen to offensive linemen a lot. Alan Fanica, it was said about him all the time, and we're Steve still Hutchinson, waiting. There's a little log jam, log jam at O line. Yeah, O line the guards, but when they were playing in year yeah. 13, it was future Hall of Famer Alan Fanica, and now this guy's waiting. Right, Kevin Mawai had to wait. Yeah. You played, I believe, with Kevin Mawai in Tennessee. I just remember every time playing Madden and going, if I'm the Jets, I know I got 98 overall Kevin Mawai at center. Best best lineman I ever played with. I mean, it's not even. That's not debatable. I saw him do stuff in that year. He's so skinny now, too. With that, yeah, yeah. With that Chris Johnson team and CJ2K and how he handles people. You know how I always used to talk about how, like, you get underneath the center and you go, can this guy really snap me the ball? And block that yeah. guy, that freak that's in front of me that's 320 pounds. And he was amazing and he could do it any which way possible. He was like the crafty veteran that yeah. had every move in the world, the toughness. And I've told you, nobody in that, we had some bad mofos on that Tennessee Titan defensive team. Kevin Mawai controlled the locker room. Nobody was in a mess with Kevin Mawai. He had last, if the radio needed to be turned down, Kevin Wise had turned it down. It, that defensive line turned it down. The size of his head. Yes, it's like a cinder block. In, it's incredible. Yeah, yes. But I think it's a it's a really cool class. I think Ed Reed, Champ, and Ty Law Man. getting in together. I'm so glad Ty Law got in. Yes. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame corner. There's no doubt about that. I was really nervous Richard for Richard Seymour needs to be the next one to get in from New England. Richard mm-hmm. Seymour is one of the greatest defensive linemen in the history of the NFL. Agreed. you got to get him in. The sacks are never going to say no. it. He is, he is a fuck the playoff master. He was a mismatch nightmare, yes. and he's one of the biggest humans ever. That was he just did like, it wherever, wherever he went. Move out of my way. Right. Oakland, New England. Right. He was yeah, incredible. Was incredible. I, I just love watching guys cry on David Baker's shoulders because Ty Law looks like a child he compared does. to David Baker. And, and I want to say, say this. David Baker does an amazing job at capturing the moment. Think about this. David Baker was also the guy with his white gloves that took the ball from Drew Brees and said, we will put this in the Hall of Fame. We'll take care. 
that man when in he the says moment, we're gonna we're gonna capture your legacy forever and keep it in yes. hand for safekeeping Special it's God. beautiful okay, yeah. and and he cares about it right. and i and i think it makes the thing so special but pat boland's family congratulations to them it stinks it was posthumously but yep. uh the three corners kevin mawai who am i missing uh gil brandt gil, gil brandt legend all-time yep. scout that you talk about the stories of the nfl yeah he's been a part of capturing them the entire time and his eye for talent is it needs to be rewarded it's still pretty damn good yeah I mean, even though i don't even sure how far i can see anymore but yeah I, and i mean that funny because yeah. i know gill and if he, he's not listening to us but that would be he, and who, he, he who johnny robinson and johnny robinson i don't know the, the story of the johnny chiefs robinson. right i had to look it up too i was like wait but yeah played for the chiefs I think it was before they even won a Super Bowl. I'd have to wow. look that up. He's 80. He's 80. He was born in 1938. Uh, 1938. Was he on Holy the Chiefs crap. team that won Super Bowl IV? Uh, let's see here. So he played for the Chiefs from 1963 right. through 1971. Okay, so he was. He made that team because mm. that team won it in 70. And he was on the Dallas Texans from 1960 to 1962. Well, that became the Kansas City Chiefs, the Dallas Texans. Oh, there we go. So okay. That's right. uh, awards yes. are official. Yes. Patrick Mahomes, right. as we told you all year, woo, 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 MVP. Woo. Well, not MVP. as we told you all year. We thought the universe was aligned for Drew Brees. Yeah, but then the universe completely fell apart. Yeah, yeah, once I started getting death threats, the Drew universe Brees aligned to make Mahomes MVP and Sims winner of the betting segment on Sims and Lefko. <laughs> uh, Aaron Donald wins Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, uh, Saquon Barkley wins Offensive Rookie of the Year over Baker Mayfield, which I think made complete sense. Odell yeah. called him up and called him Saquon's Barkley, which yes, is awesome. That's cool. Um, then who won Defensive Rookie of the Year? Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard did. He did. He won. Yep. And then Nagy won coach of the year. And right. I feel like that's the one that we have an issue with. Yeah, that's I don't, about it. I don't love that one uh, because to me, I want to go, that's where I just look at the GM there, Ryan Pace, and go, damn, look at all the players that were acquired there, let alone him hiring Matt Nagy. He deserves that. I could have gone coach of the year uh, a few different ways. I mean, I certainly could have gone Anthony Lynn or Frank Reich, I think, over Matt Nagy. I would, I, I would go Bill Belichick. Or, uh, listen, I mean, you're right. That's He's kind of in that. It's unbelievable. He's in the Jordan-LeBron stratosphere. Did he where, win it when they went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle? I don't believe he did. Like. I know. It, I, don't, I know. You know what? It's I, so I was going to say this when we talked about the Edelman MVP. Yeah. Maybe they need to open up. Coaching to the MVP. Because the MVP of last night was Bill Belichick and Brian Flores and what they did. That was a historic performance by a defense in the year of, oh, points, 54-51, offense, fantasy's awesome, fantasy, receivers, 5,000 yards, let's throw it, let's throw it, let's throw it. And New England just said, up yours. Defenses struggle. Mike Smith was coach of the year in 2008. Wow. Wow. Okay, Michael Turner. Disrespectful to the Belichick. But to to that point, yeah. that's why I don't think it was a great Super Bowl, though. Yeah, I hear and, you. And the reason is... It wasn't. It's, there was never the big adjustment that showed me greatness from both teams. Right. One team came out there with a game plan, and the other team couldn't adjust to it. And I find great Super Bowls are when it's a constant chess match. I hear you, man. And that, to me, was I made one move, and then they couldn't figure it out for 60 minutes. And I'll t- as we're recording this, it's official. Uh, the new head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals is Zach Taylor. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's very interesting the day after this young wonderkin has taken over the NFL – 
and caused Matt LaFleur, Cliff Kingsbury, and Zach Taylor to get head coaching jobs, that offense was held to three points. He's going to go, I knew Sean McVay, but I didn't make this game plan up, Cincinnati fans. This was all Sean McVay. I, don't, right. I didn't do it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's, it is very interesting. It, it was a culmination that did not match what the rest of the season was. That's right. It was just very atypical for this type of season. Yes, it was. It was atypical, and I'm still not worried about Sean McVay. The body of work still says he's special. They played oh, it. yeah. They got cold on offense as the year went along. It certainly – he had to manage the team a little differently. You know, their offensive line got exposed a little bit. You know, their offensive line is not some great unit, okay? They didn't beat the Dallas Cowboys because no. they were just blowing Cowboys off the line of scrimmage. They beat the Cowboys because McVay schemed them up and found – found discrepancies and de- deficiencies within their run game fits that exposed them. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, we always talk about it. you're going to meet your match at some point or another, and the Rams finally met that team that was just too much for them to overcome. I'm just curious if the Belichick curse now starts for the Rams. And what I mean by that is when you face Belichick in a big game right, and he shows the way he is choosing to beat you, Yep. Be prepared for the rest of the NFL to figure it out. There's a reason Atlanta's defense wasn't great the year after the Super Bowl yeah. because everyone kind of figured it out. Sure. There's a reason people knew how to attack the Seattle defense after the Super Bowl because everybody kind of figured it out. Now there's a game plan. Set the edges with some people, drop back in a zone, give Jared Goff some weird looks, and take away pace. Right. And now we're going to watch to see if Sean McVay can adjust. And he will. I believe he will. Yes. Because Sean McVay is man enough to get on the stage and go, it was my fault, and he's also a good enough worker that he's going to get back into the lab and be crazy. Yes. And it's not just because he looked at me and said, left go, and he like made me feel like the most special human ever, but it's definitely up there. Yeah. Pull up the teams. Yep, they're up. Okay. Looking at next year. Oh, yeah. Who are the teams that you're looking at as the true Super Bowl contenders? And I have the updated odds after the Super Bowl for what their new odds are. This is an annual tradition. If you thought that you were going to be able to leave this podcast without predicting next year's Super Bowl, you were just mistaken. Just 12 months ahead of time. (sighs) Yep. No idea about free agency, draft, injuries. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. (sighs) Just make your freaking pick. (sighs) I'm picking the Chiefs, just so you guys know. You're picking the Chiefs? And the Chiefs are one of four teams tied for the lead at 7-1 to odds. I'm going to say it's Bears-Chiefs. Nagy's going to have to play Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. Bears-Chiefs? Bears-Chiefs. That's what I'm going to go with next year. That's my early. The Chiefs are 7-1, to and the Bears are part of the the next two at 12-1. to 12-1? to Yeah, I want to say Bears-Chiefs. The Colts scare me because they and have the a ton Colts, of money. Colts are really juicy at twenty to Ooh, one. Pittsburgh still scares me, especially if they keep Antonio Brown. But Pittsburgh I'm, is right after the Bears at sixteen to one. Okay, yeah, I mean that, that's still some stuff to be seen there. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Kansas City Chiefs versus Bears. I can already see the storyline. I feel like just put it in the book, start it up, see you there in Miami. I'm gonna mm. post that on Instagram later today. Chiefs Bears. Who are the teams that you're interested in? Can the Saints do it after no. two years of this? Like, Saints are done. You think they're done? Yeah. I know. That's what kind of. Not that I want to say they they're could done. Fall off a cliff. Well, I don't want to say they're done, but nah, I just feel like, man, done. that's a lot to overcome those last two years. It it feels a little bit like the Vikings. A little bit. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah, right. Rams, Saints, Chiefs, and Patriots are all seven to one. Chargers and Bears are twelve to one. Steelers are sixteen to one. 
Eagles are 18 to 1. Packers and Cowboys, Vikings and Colts are 20 to 1. Uh, Your Eagles will be in the mix. I Ravens are that. 25 to 1. And two teams that I find very interesting just from a long shot perspective Seahawks and Texans are 28 to 1. Sure, sure. Seahawks and Texans are just teams that. You know, if the if Schottenheimer can grow the offense and and employ more of a play action passing game, yeah. I thought their defense surprised some people. Yeah. And I thought that Russ Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, I'm looking for people that can buck the trend. Yeah. You know, but at twenty eight to one, both of those look good and your boy Kyle's coming in at thirty to one. I can see that. And yeah, like we said, love we were down there too. I don't know. Browns are thirty to one. Atlanta's Atlanta went healthy. And I think they made the appropriate moves on offense and defensive side of the ball. I mean, there'd be a team that I certainly say watch out for. Who do you believe has the worst odds to win the Super Bowl next year? The worst odds? Yeah, i got to think that's the Arizona Cardinals. They are at 100-1. to 1. They're not even in the bottom four. The Bucks. The Bucks are 75-1. to 1. Wait, so you're saying that— There's a team with worse odds to win the Super Bowl than the Cardinals. Raiders? The Raiders are one of the uh, 125 to the 1. Bengals? Raiders, Bengals, and Jets are all 125 to 1, but there's one team at 150 to 1, and that is your Brian Flores-led Miami Dolphins. I was just about to go there because we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Don't know their quarterback, their coach, yeah. their whole team is I in disarray. That'll, well, that'll change again here shortly, I'm sure. Once, Maybe. Once they, figure, once they get Nick Foles. Oh, I hope so. I'd love to make that <laughs> trade. Um, anything else from the game that you saw or that you want? I, there was not a single commercial. The that NFL I felt, 100 commercial. NFL, oh, that was great. That was a great commercial. Cool. Yeah, there was a few here and there. But the NFL 100 commercial. It was cool. When Aaron Donald goes. Oh, uh, just tossing what, the tables. Well, and he goes. What you going to do, what you, what you know about Ninja Buckus? <laughs> that, that was hilarious. I laughed out loud. There was a few that I thought were pretty good. But yeah. I, that's that. the NFL 100, there was two of them, right? There was one pregame. It was a shorter version that was good, and then you the saw the one. long yeah. one at the end. But they were amazing. Yeah, like Ed Reed blowing that. Yeah. yeah. I read that to shoot that, because they couldn't get everybody all in one place because there was so many people, right. that they had to set up that ballroom in different locations around the country. Wow. Oh, and then just they I would bet. shoot like one camera angle of it with one guy and extras in the background, right. and yeah. just go to the next location. Right. What was your take, and the, Josh, this is more for you, what was Ooh. your take of Atlanta as a Super Bowl city now that you've been to a few? Um, what was my take on Atlanta as a Super Bowl city. So I love cities that have downtown stadiums because I just like all the energy of having it action-packed yes. in the downtown. It was versus, a cluster. Yes, but I just don't really like downtown Atlanta all that much. I just right. didn't find it to be that great of a place. But it was definitely better than having to take a train an hour to yes. go see the Super Bowl like in say, Santa Clara. Yes. But yeah, I just don't really downtown Atlanta. The thing about what's weird about downtown Atlanta is a lot of the restaurants are outside. Yeah, a little bit outside. You're right. So, and, and once you're downtown, you can't leave because the traffic was insane. Was ridiculous. Insane. Yeah. I, that is always annoying. What about the radio row setup compared? A lot better than Minnesota. In the Way mall. better. The, the the radio row setup was great. The thing that jumps out to me about Atlanta more than anything is I think it's the nicest people in the country, Atlanta. I've been around that city a number of times, and I don't know. It just couldn't be a more pleasant vibe everywhere you go. Uh, Everybody's calling you hun and, and just, doll. Yes, and, and yeah. a lot. I don't feel like it's Sweetheart. fake. I just feel no. like it's natural niceness. I've been to other cities. I mean, hey, listen, we know in the north or the northeast people can be assholes in general. I've lived in the south in certain areas where people say, God, you know, bless you, and then you walk away bless and they talk heart. shit about you yeah. three seconds later. 
I just never get that vibe in Atlanta. Shout out to the good people of McCormick and Schmick's That's right. in the CNN Center, which served me, I think, four of the six dinners that I had in Atlanta. I believe really? me as well. Uh, yes. Caesar yes. bread. Yeah. 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 That's where you guys kept going? That's yeah. where we kept, because it was just right there. So I fell off the wagon. I was ordering lemon pepper wings at like 2.45 in the morning. <laughs> Every well, day we got done with the show. Little, I had no idea where yeah, you were. Yeah, you had a little different experience than us. You, you yeah. lit it up. You had fun. Good for well, you. But I'm also, you know, I'm trying to, because my thing is like we talk about these guys all the time. Yeah. And I, I want to go and I want to hang out with them. Sure. You know what I mean? So to like to kick it with Kittle and Trent Taylor and yep. like I don't like we, we, I message those guys all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, we also have to mention Quentin. Quentin, Quentin was incredible. Shout out to like Trent Taylor, like lying to me and getting out there. What's so funny about the Quentin Nelson thing is Sims the amount of Colts reporters yes, that I've have heard. Been, that have been tweeting. Right. Why didn't we get this Quentin all year? Right. I don't want to make this like a thing, like about like the profession, but I just don't think a lot of people talk to these athletes like they're humans. Yeah. And and they don't realize that he's like a 22, 23 year old kid, and they ask him questions about what's your responsibility in the offense, and they they never it they just don't get comfortable with the guys, right. and that's what we do, you know. Like when Derwin James comes up there, he doesn't want to leave. He wants to watch the fifty yard throw. Right. When To and Chad are there, they hang around for an extra thirty minutes, even though they have to be on inside the NBA like fifteen minutes later. El Dorado, so awesome, so good. But no, it was it was cool to be around the athletes and actually get to meet the guys, um, because you really don't see these guys with their helmets off. No, you don't ever. Nope. And and the footballs and NFL the Super Bowl is a cool collection of all that stuff. Yep. No, it was it was so, amazing. I got to meet Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, that was amazing. oh okay. I want to address that. What good people? I want to say that Sims. It's the first time I've ever seen him fanboy. Yeah. Where to the point where 15 minutes before Odell got there, he like looked at someone and said, you're wearing the Odell jersey, but give it to me because I'm getting it signed and I'm taking it to my son and it's mine. And I was like, my dad. And I was like, wow. Like, but he met Odell and, and Odell walks in and he goes, oh my gosh. Oh, and I, I I'd never seen you like yeah, that. He's the man. How did he get to that point for you? Uh, well, I, you, you know how he got to that point to me. I think that first of all, he's special as a player. Uh, I see the greatness in him. I mean, he's he has a chance to be the greatest receiver in the history of football, or at least in that conversation. He's that type of talent. And then I think, just like anything, what got me to be a huge LeBron James fan or even a Tony Romo fan is I get sick of the haters. Mm. I just get sick of it. And I go, you so know you what? Go the other way. I go the other way. I go, damn, like we're going to hate on LeBron James. He never wins the big game, but he brings a bunch of players that nobody fucking can even remember from last year to the final. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Tony Romo. Oh, all he does is go eight and eight. All he does is go eight and eight. And I want to be like, yep, he goes eight and eight because they would be three and thirteen if it weren't for him. Yeah. But he makes magic and the fourth quarter over and over. And that's what happened to me with Odell. Not only the greatness of the player, but yeah. then I got sick of the unfair criticism that we've stuck up for with him so much and so often. They were great people, Odell and his mother, and you could see they really where are. Odell gets his speed from and his handsome good looks. It's his mom. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, the one thing I'm going to say, so we're gonna, we're definitely having Big Fucker on Wednesday? I don't know. i got to confirm it. Okay. okay. Uh, oh, Big Fucker, I'm busy. I just got back from the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, I did nothing all week, but then I had to talk on the pregame, and I'm busy. I'm busy. I got to work out tomorrow, and then I got to work seriously. out again, and then I got to work out on Wednesday, too, and I don't know if I can make it in here. I'm busy. Maybe all we right. should just go do the podcast at Parisi's on Wednesday. Oh, just I make mean, it that's really what it'll all be. You watch. It'll all come down to whether he can figure out his 
personal time, which That's is so funny. He is such a diva. His oh executive time. Is he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly so, right. <laughs> so either way, Sims is going to break down film, yep. uh, and we're going to do that Wednesday, and then we're going to do the fan mailbag. Uh, Josh will put out some social yep. later in the week, and we'll kind of round it up that way. Uh, so we're going to have a few more. Hold on. Before the music, I'm not going to act like this is the Oscars, so don't play it yet. Cut that music off. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is this, is that um, I go back to beginning working with Sims doing 30 videos a day in a room where we really didn't have any rules. And it was just like, we would do 30 videos and it would go, here are the three things the Giants have to do in the off season. And me and Sims would be in a room for eight hours. Right. And what's incredible is it was kind of like the minor leagues where we, we kind of like learned all the teams together. Right. Like we would sit there and like, like canvasser and everybody would help us out, but really like we're sitting there going, what should we do here? And we would just kind of do all the videos. And at that time, Sims and I would look at each other and we would go, Who's watching this crap? Like, and, and I genuinely don't think anybody was watching it. Now, we do get some people that go, I remember watching those videos, the true like Bleacher Report team streamers. Right. But there was just a point of contention for me for so long where I would watch people on television and either they'd be saying something that Sims said a few weeks beforehand or they'd be saying something that was so like wrong that I felt like I was going crazy. And I felt like you thought you were going crazy too. Yeah. Like the first two, three years of us working together, we didn't like the podcast had kind of just getting started and we felt like we were just talking like Seahawk Scout and Bajit and all that shit. Right. But really like we were just doing these videos all the time. And now I, I look back at that time and go, what a waste. But I'm so happy that, um, that I wasn't crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I genuinely believe, I know, I say this all the time, that no one can watch more film than Sims because there's only a certain amount of hours in the day, and that's what you do. And you're amazing at it. Thank you. you were going to announce on Wednesday where you're going and all that shit, but so happy. I love you too, man. Proud of you. I love I you. I didn't say it, so you yeah. technically said it first. That's right. So I love you too. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I love no. when your upper lip gets big like I, that. I, I'm it's a, one I'm of my favorites. All that. It's all right. One of my abilities. I cried yesterday for the Super Bowl, if you feel, if make you feel any better. Yeah. When when they started singing the national anthem, I saw Brady, like his eyes get teary. Yeah. Damn, my, you didn't get it on camera? No, but my oh. kids, they get such a kick out of when I get emotional oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. No, but I, I, I mean this. I look around the football space. And this is unique, but you you are unique. Thanks, man. I'm excited. You're unique. Uh, unique love, New York. Me love Cue you the music. Time. Okay. You're the uh, man. All right, so Wednesday we got a show, Thursday mailbag. Make them awesome questions. But again, Sims and Lefko, we're never leaving you. You don't think that the Sims and Lefko Instagram is still going to have funny moments of Sims on it? You bet your ass it will because <laughs> it's Sims and Lefko. But we're going we're gonna to keep this thing going because it's too good to stop and y'all are the shit and the homies. To everyone that was in Atlanta, to everyone that's been DMing us or messaging us about how great our content was last week, come on, man. We're going to keep this shit rolling. For Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening, everybody. And for the L-E-F-K-O-E, man. we will holla, holla, holla at you guys on Wednesday. 4.30.